Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Join in on a great conversation today with one of the world's great influencers as they showcase the latest tricks and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome, I'm your host, Tony D'Urso. Today's show is with Matt Miller and Lee Carraher. Matt began School Spirit Vending, which is on the cutting edge of both the vending and school fundraising industries. And Lee is the founder and CEO of Double Forte, a national public relations and digital media agency based in San Francisco that works with beloved consumer, technology, and wine brands. More on them in a moment, but first, with two high-profile and high-volume talk shows, I'm doing what you would expect. I'm combining them into one show. Can you pardon my dust while I expand? The new show is what you're hearing now, the Tony D'Urso Show. I will continue to broadcast every Friday at 1 p.m. on Voice America's Influencers Channel. Please set your calendar to hear from the world's elite. This show continues to be published every Friday on iTunes, on the mobile app, and everywhere you're listening to my shows now. Now, on one show, you'll hear from world-class influencers, celebrities, and masterpreneurs. I appreciate you as a great engaging audience, and I do hope you understand this consolidation, as I am expanding tremendously. The summary? Continue to listen to my shows just as you normally do, the way you normally do. That was easy. And then, stay tuned for news on my new TV show. I'll tell you more about that another time. Thanks again for being a great audience. I love your feedback and welcome your comments as always. And now, today's interview is with Matt Miller and Lee Carraher. All right, here's some info on Matt. He spent the first nine years of his career as an Air Force pilot. Then he moved into the private sector to work in both the medical device and advertising industries. He eventually began School Spirit Vending, which is on the cutting edge of both the vending and school fundraising industries. Today, he has a great franchise program providing a proven and profitable business system for busy professionals and their families looking to develop secondary income streams with a limited time commitment. So out there, if you're looking for another income stream, if you're looking for residual income, if you're a career individual and you're looking to hack your job, check this out. This has got some really great stuff, and I really like the sound of everything that we're doing here. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me on, man. This is awesome. Great. My pleasure and my honor. Lots I'd like to chat with you about, and I'm extremely intrigued at an Air Force pilot going into this, but I've got to kind of go and step back. I want to know how you became so good at vending and how it all started for you. Well, as you said, Tony, I started out in the Air Force. I flew uh, for nine years and spent four years at the Air Force Academy for college. From there, I transitioned into the corporate world and was there for about 10 and a half years working in the hospital medical field and then in the advertising world. And along the way, I realized that the only way I could have any semblance of control at all was to start my own thing and found myself in a really bad place financially because of some corporate decisions that were made in my advertising career and realized by looking at the comp plan that I was going to have to do something else in order to make ends meet and to provide for my family. So we started doing a bunch of different things. I was selling books on Amazon long before selling on Amazon was cool. We collected aluminum cans. We did just about anything that we had to to help keep a roof over our head. But one Sunday at church, uh, some good friends of mine mentioned that they had a couple of gumball machines that he had bought with his daughters. And it was something they were doing together as a family. And they were learning about business and making a little bit of money. And I had read Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and had bought into that whole idea of making money while you sleep passively. So everything that I had tried to make money up to that point, I kind of compared to to Kiyosaki and his book. And so when they brought up gumball machines, I thought it was a little odd, but it did fit what Kiyosaki talked about. And because we were in such a world of hurt money-wise, I didn't have a whole heck of a lot of money to invest 
In fact, my first candy and gumball machine after I read a couple ebooks that I got on Amazon, I found on eBay for it's like 35, 39 bucks. And it was actually across Houston where we lived at, at the time. So I didn't even have to pay for shipping. So one Saturday after I had kind of learned the basics of vending, I took my two oldest kids and my 98 Honda Accord and we drove across Houston to pick up that vending machine. I found out that the guy, his work load had gotten too big. He didn't have time to continue to pursue it, but he had 19 other machines in his garage. And I convinced him if he would be willing to hold on to them for a couple of months, as I had the money, I would come back and get them and take them all off his hands. But I took that first machine home. Uh, we stopped by Sam's club on the way to pick up gumballs and Skittles at the time. And the following Monday, I went out, started knocking on doors and local area businesses in the suburb of Houston where we lived and slowly started figuring this thing out. And the very first location was a karate studio in Kingwood, Texas. It said, yeah, bring your machine on in. So I brought it in and set it up. And normally with a, a machine like that, the capacity is such that it might take four, six, eight weeks before you really need to go back and service it. After two weeks, I couldn't hold it. I needed to know, do people really use these things? Because I never had, my kids never had. And so on a Thursday night in the middle of the school year, I went out. There were kids everywhere at the karate studio taking classes. I put the key in the machine, turned it around, and quarters spilled out all over the floor. And I was like, holy crap, they actually do use these things. What a cool story. I love it. Within two months, I paid for that machine just from the revenue in it. And of course, then I started investing in more equipment as quickly as I could. And, uh, you know, started to make this thing happen on nights and weekends when I had time to do it. That is very interesting. And I have a couple of little comments and anecdotes on vending and stuff that I'm going to talk about in this. But one thing I'm very curious about and that is I have multiple friends in the military, and I know that it's always been difficult for them and was difficult for them to transition into the corporate world back into life. Some went back and served more duties, went back and re-enlisted and so forth. And I'm just very curious, if you don't mind me asking, how did you transition? Did you find that very difficult or what was it that helped you ease back into you know, the American life here? I learned along the way I didn't like being told what to do, and the military is not a very good place for that. <laughs> I also was frustrated just because, um, at least until you get to the uh, to the upper levels in the service, it's all based on time and grade. It has nothing to do with performance, really. And I was frustrated because there were guys that were working half as much as me, making the same amount of money, getting promoted at the same times and all that. And so I really wanted to do my own thing. I didn't have any clue how to do it, but I read a bunch of books. I studied. I worked with a couple of junior military officer recruiting firms whose job was to help match folks coming out of the Air Force uh, as officers to different companies. And I ended up going to, I think, four different hiring conferences, interviewed with 60 companies over a couple of months' time. And ultimately had several offers and, and chose the one that, that got me closest to my wife's family in the Houston area because we had spent most of our time together in Texas up to that point. I really appreciate you sharing that because I always like to get an extra insight into things and that kind of fills in some of that. Thank you. All right, back to vending. <laughs> we are looking about at how to develop secondary income streams. And one of the things I wanted to mention is some is that I come from lead generation, and some years back, I actually worked on getting vending machines into schools, and it was very interesting. I learned all about it, and I found that just about every school is very difficult to get into unless you go there personally, a lot of security, you can't reach them by phone, and I'm saying all this for, for a point because I know we have interested people listening to this, and another thing I found, most all had contracts for like a year, so... I'm sure you've gotten ways around it because you are so successful. And can you share with us how to deal with some of these points or how your methodology may be different? So being that I spent a lot of my, uh, or a decade before 
getting out of the corporate world altogether in the advertising space, Tony, I've kind of got a marketing and advertising mindset and not only traditional, but also some of the newer forms as well. And what I've just learned over the years is persistence, number one, is a key. But number two is to use multiple forms of promotion. You know, each of us respond to different messages differently. And so because of that fact, uh, whereas in my household, as an example, if my wife gets the mail, she goes through it all before she throws anything away. If I get the mail, I throw everything away except for something that might be a, a card or, or a bill or a check. Everything else goes straight to the trash. So if I'm just using mail as an example, I'm missing out on a huge group of people who are never going to read the mail. Facebook, many people use Facebook. A lot of people in our age group do, but there's a bunch of people that don't. So if I'm just relying on Facebook, I'm missing out on a large amount of my potential audience. So we teach our franchise team how to use uh, a multitude of different tools at their disposal to get the word out, you know, trade shows, you know, face-to-face -face going door-to-door, -door, all those types of things have their place in what we do. And all of them working together over time help us achieve the result that we're really looking for. I got that. And that makes perfect sense, Matt. And I have, and if anyone builds a funnel for someone to find out about a great system and learn about it, that might be a good way as well to capturing the emails and then emailing people and businesses and seeing how, you know, how this may be a solution for them in terms of where they would have an opportunity. We don't know all the opportunities people may have of placing vending machines. Just like your very first machine was at a karate dojo, who would think yet there are these buildings and businesses all over that do not have vending machines and have a lot of public coming through or a lot of customers coming through. So you may not think of something, I may not, but there might be people in the audience that go, oh, I know some places that, and there you go. It's just easy money. That's the way I look at it. Well, here's the other thing with traditional vending. Oftentimes we think about the customers coming in and out of the door at that business or whatever. But to be honest, in most cases, the employees are actually more important to success than the customers because the employees are there daily. I'll give you a great example. There's this little place called Beasley Tire in Kingwood, Texas, where I started my vending route. And I set up a, a two-head machine, a, a gumballs and, and uh, peanut M&Ms in that location. And for the first year, it did fairly well each month. I don't remember exactly what the numbers were. But then all of a sudden, I get a call one day after I'd been out to the location two weeks earlier. And the guy said, hey, the machine sold out. Would you and, and refill it? Well, I thought that was odd because we had never even come close to selling out before. I went out. What do you know? The peanut M&M side was sold out. I refilled it. Two weeks later, I get a call again. And I go back out. And as I was there, I asked the guy is actually one of the sons of the owner. I said, what's changed? Because the machine has never done this well before. And he said, well, there's a new guy that started working here and he's a chocolateaholic and he probably puts $5 a day in that machine for M&Ms. <laughs> this is the Tony D'Urso show. Just ahead. The chat continues with Matt Miller and Lee Carraher. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Check out my other great interviews at TonyDURSO.com slash radio or using your Android or iPhone, get the app at TonyDURSO.com slash mobile. That's TonyDURSO.com slash radio or slash mobile. 
You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get Amplified. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Listening to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDurso.com. Now, back to the Spotlight. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show. Today's show is with Matt Miller and Lee Carraher. In addition to the basic ins and outs of running school spirit vending, Matt is devoted to sharing his expertise with others. Through many different venues, including podcasts and public speaking, Matt seeks to enable other entrepreneurs to chase their dreams as well. He also serves as the editor for Marlin and Percy, which enables him to live his lifelong dream of working in the world of comics. All right, and now back to the chat with Matt. Two months later, the numbers went back to where they were before. And I found out that that guy left and moved on to go somewhere else. That one individual controlled a lot of the revenue at that location. And I would say that in many cases, it's just a relative few number of people that actually drive the revenue uh, for much many of the people out there who, who are in the vending business. I like that. That's great. And. Can you give us some ideas of, aside from schools, and I want to actually talk about the schools and the fundraising part, because I think that's a great in to getting into schools and universities, colleges and whatever. But also, I believe there are so many places just right from machines that are just overlooked because there's nobody in that area working it. Oh, no doubt about it. You know, you can walk through an area and think that there's saturation and there isn't even close to saturation. In fact, one of the things that I always tell our franchise team today, but I used to tell people that I taught kind of the, the ropes of vending early on, do not prejudge, do not overthink any of this at all. Because the reality is you can always pull that machine and put it somewhere else but you have no idea what's going on within that business or that location. And the only way you're gonna know if it's worthwhile or not is to place a machine. So I would show up at a, a strip mall in my area, in the Houston area, and I wouldn't pick and choose the one or two businesses that I thought might work. I literally started on the right and I went to every single door in the strip mall and made them tell me no. And there were so many cherry locations that I got in that process because I wasn't prejudging. I was just looking for folks to, that were willing and interested to let me place a machine. And then I let the location, you know, prove itself over time. 
That's smart. And the one thing that hit me right away while you were talking, hit me again, is there's no rent. You don't have to pay them for having the machine. You pay them a, a share of the profit, but you don't have to pay rent. For example, I while you were mentioning this, I was thinking about some of the malls that I go into in California. And you see these carts, these mall carts is what we call them here, probably everywhere now, I'm sure. And right. they're just vending machines in them. There's no person. You just go in, put your money in, and it's just a bunch of vending machines. And I'm thinking, these people got to be paying 500 1000 or more rent, perhaps, unless they do a special deal. But that could open up a great opportunity for your products and your, your vending machines if the mall would take a share of the profit of the revenue and forego that rent. I think that would be a no-brainer for anyone that wants to get into this business. You know, I think that there's more and more malls that are going to be open to that type of thing just because of the degradation of the mall industry as more and more anchor stores and that type of thing go away or close locations. You know, malls are having to rethink the way they do things and the high prices and high leases that they've commanded for decades they're having to completely change all that because there's less and less of us going there because more and more business is going online in the process. Yes, absolutely, Matt. I really think is a great opportunity there because they'll take a piece of that revenue. The space is there. It, it's not a store. It's just a cart in the mall and people will come up, use it or not. And it's just, I think it's a great opportunity for anyone that wants to do and follow up on this. Now, let's talk a little bit more about this. How easy is it and what is the process for someone that's interested in looking into this? I know that we have your website, which is ssvbusiness.com. Can you kind of walk us through how this process is? So, like I said, we are a franchise. And so there's typically a four to six to eight week vetting process for us and for anybody that's looking into what we do to learn all the ins and outs of what we do. Um, during that time, we get to know one another. We spend a period of time on numerous occasion, occasions using Zoom, a video conference tool that we use, you know, to be able to chat face-to-face -face despite location. And we kind of talk from the very beginning, you know, costs to get started, the process, the right, you know, who we're looking for, what a protected territory would look like, so it's normally a four to six to eight week process for someone to check out what we're doing and to get all the ins and outs of it. It gives us an opportunity to get to know them, them to get to know us, and, and both sides do the vetting necessary. We discuss all the details behind what we do and how we do it. We have what's called a franchise disclosure document, or FDD for short, which every franchise out there is required by law to have to present their opportunity to somebody who's looking into it. That document goes into every detail you could possibly think of. Um, they get a chance to talk to some of the franchisees along the way near the end of the process to pick their brains and to get a feel for their likes and dislikes. And is this Matt guy the real deal? And, you know, all those types of things get answered at that point. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that we've got a good fit, a good fit for us, but also a good fit for them. Because by signing a franchise agreement, we're, we're doing work together for a period of at least 10 years and in many cases, potentially longer. So it's one of those things that neither side takes lightly, but it's a lot of fun along the way to, to meet a lot of really cool new people. And, you know, we started out here in Texas almost 11 years ago, and today we're in 43 states, I believe, and uh, have 112 franchisees or so in those states. So it's a lot of fun. That is phenomenal. Hats off to you on your success, Matt. That's incredible. I love it. Thanks. Matt, could you share with us any success stories that you've received from your franchisees? Well, I mean, the list is pretty long. We've got some folks as an example, um, one young guy and, and his wife uh, down in the San Antonio area that um, have been with us for quite some time, but they've got over, you know, 210 schools that they work in and out of. 
our business has been a foundation for them to start a bunch of other businesses and a family. They, they live in a, in a beautiful home that uh, as a car wash manager previously, he probably would have never had an opportunity to afford. Um, got another guy who within a year's time was able to set up 104 schools um, with our program. Uh, he was an Air Force retiree and today has a lot more freedom and flexibility to, to do what he wants. See, the cool thing is about vending, Tony, is you don't have to be there all the time. You and I are talking right now, and if it was in the middle of the school year, uh, there would be quarters being put in our machines you know, all over the place. And I'm in my office, you're in your studio or office, and here we are on Skype doing our thing halfway across the country. I love that about vending because the machines do the majority of the work. It allows individuals like the folks on our team to have more freedom, more flexibility, to have more control over their lives in a lot of ways, financially and time-wise. And in the process, have the ability to maybe pursue some of the passions in their life that a, a typical career might not never really allow them to do or pursue. So that freedom of time and that freedom of, of money, you know, creates a lot of options for folks. And, and that's what we love having the ability to be just a little part of. Appreciate that. We have room for one more. And I'd love to know what's the personal drive and motivation that's behind what you do, Matt? You know, I was an Air Force instructor pilot for five years, Tony, and both my parents were teachers. And so I have teaching in my blood and there's nothing more gratifying to me than to, to work with a, an individual or a family, most of which who have never done business of any kind before, but have stars in their eyes and a desire for more for themselves and to be able to teach them our method of business that allows them the opportunity to accomplish so much more for themselves and their family. And, oh, by the way, get a chance to support the education in the schools in their area as well. So we're not only helping out the kids in the schools and the schools themselves, but we're helping create multi-generational entrepreneurs because we're not only working with mom and dad, but we also encourage kids involvement as well so that they can learn alongside their mom and dad and they can all work together in the process. And it's so cool to see somebody at the very beginning, just like when I was teaching pilots how to fly as an instructor pilot, um, that student barely had sat in an airplane before and within a couple of months were flying solo in a supersonic airplane and eventually got their wings to, to be a full-fledged pilot in the Air Force. This is the Tony D'Urso Show. Just ahead, the chat continues with Matt Miller and Lee Carraher. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. I got this phone call about 5.30, 6 a.m., was tasked with devising a go-to-market strategy for a rebrand. We knew that we had resonated with those hikers or those surfers or skiers, but we needed to expand our reach and make sure that these people were able to go from the boardroom to the board with our sunglasses. AdRoll was definitely instrumental in getting this new brand out there, both from a prospecting and remarketing standpoint, and they kind of helped me break down how the funnel looked and how we wanted to position our messaging. I was getting slacks from everyone in the company when they'd see an ad somewhere, and like in the New York Times, everyone was super stoked to see our new content and our new brand uh, creative out there. You know, they definitely helped me shine internally at Sunski from a marketing standpoint. To find out how Sunski and 37,000 other brands grow their businesses with AdRoll, visit adroll.com slash RCR. That's A-D-R-O-L-L dot com slash RCR. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. 
From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Listen for In the Limelight with Clarissa Burt, international media celebrity, supermodel, and renowned beauty and lifestyle expert, as well as founder and CEO of Envelop Her, multimedia platform for women and sought-after inspirational speaker on women's issues. You'll connect with Clarissa's super influencer, celebrity friends, and experts as they speak about health, wealth, beauty, lifestyle, business, the love of giving, and the love of living a model life. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. You're listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDurso.com. Now, back to The Spotlight. All right, we're back on The Tony D'Urso Show. Today's show is with Matt Miller and Lee Carraher. All right, back to the chat with our guests. I get to help people get their wings in in our franchise in a way and help them um, get a little bit closer to some of their wants, needs, dreams, and aspirations utilizing our business as a vehicle to do it. I like that. That's a cool purpose, and that's a very good analogy on get your wings. All right, you've heard that, entrepreneurs out there and those with career. If you want to develop a secondary income stream, check out what Matt Miller is offering at ssvbusiness.com. This is really great stuff. Matt, thank you so much for sharing this with us in the audience. Hey, Tony, thanks a lot for having me on. I do have a free giveaway for the audience if, if you're cool with me passing that along. Oh, we love giveaways. Lay it on us, please. I wrote a short ebook called Live Your Dreams, The Top 10 Reasons Why You Need to Own a Vending Business. It just encapsulates a lot of what I've learned over the years because most people don't look at vending as a real business. And they can go to ssvbusiness.com slash rev chat and download that ebook for free and at least get some insights that they maybe have never thought of before. And if they want to chat at all about the business itself, we can start a dialogue and go from there as well. All right, great. And if someone wants to reach you, they can they contact you directly at ssvbusiness.com? Yes, sir. Great. All right, everyone. Let's go to ssvbusiness.com slash your favorite words, RevChat, and get that free download and learn more about this. Once again, Matt Miller, want to thank you for this great interview. Very, very appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate being on and God bless you. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And now we have Lee Carraher joining us. She's the founder and CEO of Double Forte, a national public relations and digital media agency based in San Francisco that works with beloved consumer technology and wine brands. She's a highly sought after communications expert known for her business building acumen and insights. Welcome to the show, Lee. Tony, thank you so much for having me. What an honor to be with you. Oh, the pleasure is indeed mine. Lee, lots to talk about, but the first thing I'd love to know, how did it all start for you? Oh my gosh, <laughs> by accident. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a degree in medieval history, and I did not know what to do with it after college. And my friend Ramona said, you know, I think you should get into PR. And I said, what is PR? And <laughs> she told me, and I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And the rest is a pretty long history of just being in this career, communications and PR, since I got out of college oh so long ago. That is quite fascinating. And later on, we have to ask how you can use that medieval history knowledge. (laughs) But I want to go into some other things because we have the audience peaked on what is the boomerang principle. Let's kind of Mm -hmm. take this apart a little bit. First of all, I believe the way you want to explain this or discuss it is talk about what managers have to do well with millennials? Mm-hmm. 
So I think I wrote, I've written two books. The first book was uh, Millennials in Management, The Essential Guide to Making It Work at Work. And that book I wrote after failing epically with retaining millennials in my workplace. And after I figured it out, people asked me to write a book. So I did, and it's done pretty well. My second book is The Boomerang Principle. It's actually a sort of a longer vision about the future of work and the future of people in work. And the principle is that... Companies and organizations that allow and encourage former employees to return to them have a strategic advantage over those that don't. And I talk in my book about just changing your mindset from you're dead to me to hi, how are you? Come on back to me can change the whole tenor and sustainability of your business. I do like that a lot. And I'm going to ask you one of the most dumbest questions probably ever asked. (laughs) No dumb questions. That's one of my catchphrases. Now, we can search all day long. What's a millennial? What's the difference with the millennial? How are millennials? I like to know because you are so grounded in this and dealing with it. Are millennials really different? I mean, they're people. What makes them so differently? You know, I don't think they're that different. I, the difference is in two things. One is the expectation that they will share their thoughts and feelings, which uh, I'm a boomer, which that was never even contemplated uh, when I started my career. And two, the advantage that technology, growing up with technology has provided to uh, advantage and sometimes disadvantage to this generation has created a whole different set of expectations for this generation in the workplace. And I guess the number three is, you know, a lot of the negative things around millennials is about who told the story. So boomers and extras who themselves were not that excited about their own prospects, particularly in 2000 and the, the, the negative rap on millennials starts around 2009, well, what was going on in our country in 2009, 2010, 2011? So, and this is, I can tell you, you know, the story of history is is written by people who have points of view. Um, and uh, if you have a negative point of view about something, then that will come through in the writing of it. I like that. So there's, they're, so they're really people. <laughs> they're, and there are lots of them. And there's, so. <laughs> there's lots of them. All right. Now, another thing that you focus on that you are very good at helping with is helping women deal with, or that's not even the right word, helping women in the corporate structure, working with men and so forth. What advice do you have for women on this? You know, I was never one of those women who was all, you know, gung-ho on this topic, frankly. Um, Just sort of thought it was, well, I'm a woman and I'm making it work, so I can't everybody else make it work. But I've come to realize how much Two things are true. One is that, you know, it takes a long time to unseat and replace long-held beliefs about uh, gender stereotypes. And part of the, uh, and there are many behaviors that women and men have that don't help themselves. So I really want to make sure that I uh, help people see the um, implicit bias, things that they don't even see. And help women sort of get out of their own way. And I'll give you a couple of examples. One thing, you know, women do is we nod a lot. If we're talking in a meeting, if someone else is talking, we nod. And, and a lot of, and for most of us who are nodding, it's actually a sign that we're paying attention. Men interpret nodding as agreement. And so if women then disagree with the person they were just nodding at, a man could be absolutely um, just you know, blindsided. I thought you were agreeing. You were nodding the whole time. And the woman's like, of course I was nodding. I was paying attention. So just sort of those Venus Mars things, you know, um, that we can just be aware of. The other thing that uh, statistic that is really, really telling is that uh, men will apply for a job if they feel they are 60% qualified for the job. Women do not apply for jobs unless they feel 100% qualified for the job. So by definition, we are taking, women are taking themselves out of contention. So if you had a woman and a man, both 60% um, qualified for the job, you know, it's a 50-50 chance if you're going to get it. But if you don't even apply for a job that you think you're not qualified, of course, you're not going to have the opportunity. So I just uh, spend time picking things, those kinds of things apart and helping bring those things to light so that women can help themselves better and their managers and the people around them can help them create a level playing field. Because I think the most important thing is a level playing field where uh, the best asset can be rewarded and um, leveraged at the best time. And it 
may have nothing to do with gender except what we do with it. Those are very good points, and I've never thought of that. Now, I've been out of corporate for a very long time, but I don't recall women nodding at anything that I say. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm going to ask my wife, honey, are you listening? She'll say, yeah, I'll go, how come you're not nodding? I'll I'll tease her on that. Well, maybe wives don't do that. Well, I'm not sure I nod at my husband. They come Ah. to think about it. (laughs) Ah, Okay. So if, if you're working in the workplace and you're paying attention, you nod, but at home... It's a different story. Well, you know, you got to do something different at home than you do at work. My husband, who I'm the breadwinner, chief breadwinner in our house. My husband, our chief home officer, he manages everything in the home. I am the chief bacon officer. I bring on the bacon. And <laughs> uh, I have to be careful when I go home because sometimes my husband's like, you know, I don't work for you, you know. I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry. I forgot. I forgot to transition home. So I got to be careful about that. <laughs> That's fine. All right. Now we've laid some of the groundwork. Okay, now we can take the mystery off and let's get really in-depth and discuss what is the boomerang principle? Sure. So this is a principle that I've actually, I've actually used this principle in my work for over 20 years. So um, before I started this company, I started my own, this company is my own company. I started a company for uh, a large uh, media holding company. And in that company during the dot-com boom uh, in San Francisco, we could not keep people in the office. I mean, there, it was just, there weren't enough people to go around. And this is true of the Gen X generation in general, because they're not, there are many fewer Gen Xers than there are boomers or um, millennials. And my, you know, headquarters kept saying, don't lose anybody. Don't lose anybody. If someone leaves, you know, counter them, keep their butts in the seats kind of thing. And it was exhausting, Tony. Oh my God. It was, you know, every day someone came in, I got another job offer. Okay. Here's 20%, whatever. We had to actually reserve money in my, on my P&L for this. And one day I just like, you know, I'm done with this. I'm not doing this anymore. It's exhausting. If they're, if you're out the door, you're out the door, go. And so I didn't even have time to tell my staff that I was going to change, you know, I wasn't going to pay attention to HQ. Now, you know, why I have my own company. And (laughs) And uh, someone came to my office and said, Lee, I have a new job. And instead of saying, here's, you know, how can I counter? How can I keep you here? I said, good luck. And um, you know what? And you're going to, you know, when the next time you find, uh, you're fine that you're looking out of, you know, for your next thing after this, wherever you're going, I hope you call me and I hope there's a place for you here. So that just came out of my mouth. I didn't really plan for it. He was really angry, actually. <laughs> he was counting on that counter. And I didn't counter. He goes, well, you countered Joe last week. And I was like, yeah, I'm done with that. You know, you already spent your time looking. You spent my time, my company time looking for a new job. Go and be prosperous. Where are you going? He told me. And I did everything I could not to laugh because he was going into a, just a terrible place. But I did, you know, you know what? You've learned a lot here. I'm so glad you've been here. I know we're going to be connected for the rest of our lives. You know, next time you're looking for a job, please call me. And one, if I can help you, I will. But if there's a great place for you here, I hope you consider it. This is the Tony D'Urso Show. Just ahead, the chat continues with Lee Carraher. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You heard that a majority of businesses fail. Don't be a statistic. Get my book free, The Vision Map. Beat the odds for your business success. Get it free at TonyDurso.com slash vision. And set up your own successful vision map. Tony. D-U-R-S-O dot com slash vision. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel. Do you believe that being fit is difficult? Do you think it requires turning in your favorite comfort foods for boring chicken and broccoli and spending hours in a gym? It doesn't. Tune into Have It All with Devin Alexander. 
Devin and her guest experts will show you how you can have it all at any age, from relationships to money to thinking bigger than you've ever imagined. Devin will fast-track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDurso.com. Now, back to The Spotlight. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show. This segment of today's show is with Lee Carraher. Lee is active in her community and sits on the Board of Governors of Public Advocates and the Board of Directors of San Francisco's Grace Cathedral. She's also on the Board of Directors of the PR Council, the National Trade Association for Public Relations Agencies. A graduate of Carleton College, Lee has a degree in medieval history, which she finds useful every day. And now, back to the chat with Lee. And um, he ended up being not boomerang eligible because he left in such a terrible way. But I came out of the meeting and I told everybody in the company, we're done with that. I'm not doing that anymore. You know, if you want a new job, come tell me. I'll help you get it. You know, Uh, and here's what happened, Tony. People stopped leaving. Wow, that is astounding. We were able to put the effort. I took all that money and I put it into people there. Right. And I was able to get the money to them in different kinds of ways. I said, we're not doing this anymore. You know, I will help you find a new job. You can all get jobs tomorrow. You know, I'm not going to be scared about this anymore. We're going to do everything we can to make this the best place to be. And that's what we did. And people I didn't lose another person while I was at that company. So when I started my own company, I, you know, really wanted it to be a place where I wanted to come every day where I was happy. And I didn't have to think about I don't want to, you know, buck HQ, and where people would think that their time at Double Forte is important, uh, and it was a credit to their own careers. And here's the truth, right? We hire someone, and the, the day we hire them, we know they're going to leave us. It's not a surprise. <laughs> right? It's not like the old days where, you know, 25, 30 plus years. No, I mean, and that doesn't happen. Right. That, that is the exception to the rule. And that is like a rounding error of a rounding error of a rounding error when that happens today. And millennial and millennials don't expect to be in a job very long. They don't. They expect their parents have told them the economy has told them don't get stale. Don't stay in a job too long. Don't get stuck like I did because I got laid off in 2009. It took me five years to find another job and I'm still recovering. Frankly, there are there are millions of boomers still recovering from the 2008 you know, implosion of the marketplace. So they've been, you know, millennials have been told and Gen Z's have been told, you know, don't stay, you know, if you're not happy, get out, which I'm not sure that's really helpful, but <laughs> you, have, you have to work and you, ha- you know, work is work and you have to figure out your place in it and, you know, have some accomplishment, but they've been, you know, don't get stale. So it's not a surprise that people are leaving us. It's not a surprise when, if you take that off the table, I know you're going to leave us. I hope that wherever you go, that you come back here. I say that the first week I meet everybody. And they sort of look at me like, I just got here. You're telling me I'm going to leave. I'm like, yeah, I know you're going to leave. You might leave in four years. You might leave in two years. You might leave in 10 years. But, you know, it is. I have a small company. It would be hubris for me to think that my company could hold all these great talent that I find and hire over the total course of their careers when careers are much longer than we ever assumed before. I mean, careers, we used to think about careers ending at 60. Uh, you know, Accenture has a four and a lot of those um, accounting firms, they have forced a retirement at 60. Well, people are going to live, are living much longer. People aren't making as much money because of the cost of living and healthcare. So people are going to have to live much longer, uh, work much longer than they anticipated. It'd be incredibly 
just so pompous of me to imagine that my company could hold all the great people who have come here because they may get interested in something else. So my goal in this boomerang principle is to really help people understand, help managers and companies and people understand that individuals have the responsibility of their own careers and companies have the responsibility of making sure that their companies are viable in the long term. And if you can marry those two concepts together, your business is sustainable because people are what sustains it. That is very wise, and you have such a great, healthy attitude towards it. So different, so refreshing. I can see why people stay, because it's you're just calling it like it is. you know. And if the work environment, that job, that company, that business can help the people, then you do everything you can to help them. But if there's a time where they have to move on for something else, they can do that without feeling guilty or weird or strange. And, and the fact that you let them come back, that is just a plus, because... That didn't used to be that way. No, you know, it didn't. Other companies, you know, once you leave, that's it. It's on a, you go on a do not rehire sort of a list. Exactly. And in fact, until last year, over 50% of the companies in this country had a policy against rehiring people. Um, and here's that, here's the other piece of that, right? We, you know, across the country, and it's not, it's not uniform by any stretch of the imagination, but we have pretty low unemployment. We have underemployment. People are definitely underemployed. We have pretty low unemployment though. And Number one. And number two, we're always looking for the best people. We're all competing for the top 25% of people, no matter where you are. Good economy, bad economy kind of stuff. And in this kind of environment where more and more people are starting their own companies, becoming freelancers, doing gig economy stuff, you know, gig work stuff, and can really, the best talent can pretty much write their own ticket. They choose to be around other great people. You know, they are not they're, you know, great. The greatest people are not attracted by there's nuts in the in the cafeteria or, you know, <laughs> or there's a foosball table. These the greatest people are not. That's not what motivates them. They, they are motivated by being around other great people. So when you move from being a best place to work being to being a, a place where the best people work in your category, it's definitely it's a it's a mind shift for sure. And then it's more about those people. What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to get done? What would you like to do next? Wow, we cannot, you want to be a nurse? Well, we're not a hospital. (laughs) So, (laughs) but you know, if you're going to go to nursing school, we had a woman who went to nursing school at night. She went to nursing school at night. She worked all day. I'm like, as long as you get your work done, it's fine with me. How can we support you? You know? Um, So we took her off a, a promotion track. And she got her job done. She was a great she was a great contributor. And then when she finished her nursing school, we helped her move, basically. And she's and now she freelances in our category. She's moved to a different state, but she freelances and is still um, doing good work because, you know, it's just all changing. And if we just imagine people are dead to us once they leave us. This is sort of a flawed concept of loyalty. Right. You know, if you don't work, you know, if you quit, you're being disloyal. Well, assumedly, if they were working for you, you were paying them. (laughs) That is a transaction. That is not loyalty, right? Loyalty is actually doing something for somebody when you don't need to, when there is no quid pro quo, then you're not expecting compensation or some other action. And when we can uh, help people achieve their goals uh, within our own company or afterwards, we are, that's when, how you engender loyalty. And so people are out there in the world saying good things about your company. Everybody who leaves you can say something bad or something good. It can help you or hurt you. And anything you can do to help them say great things, uh, you should do. Because as today, in today's world, everybody's their own media channel. And your own profile, your own reputation is made up of what everybody else says about you more than it is about what you say about yourself. You're so good-natured about this, Lee. I love it. It's I not can... easy. Oh. Tony, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking hate it. You make it's it seem like, so easy. Everybody in San Francisco is going to be knocking on your door I when hope. they hear this. That'd be very nice. <laughs> I don't like it when people leave. My proudest moment is that people leave to go to great things. And so we've there had many people leave after a long period of time. And, and, and I think it goes in cycles, right? People, leave, you know, people leave in cycles. And I, if I look at the last people who we've today, we just hired two new people. And Thursday, we're going to say goodbye to someone who's been here. He started his career here as an intern. He's been here for five years. Well, that's a long time to keep someone in San Francisco. And he's going to a job that is perfect for him. It's perfect. The job he has today is not perfect for him. 
And we're not going to be able to create the perfect job for him here. So why would I not be a, excited for him? Bittersweet that he has to go somewhere else. But also, you know, the business can't accommodate everybody's goals. No you know, business can, you know? You know what's nice about this is even after someone goes, just as you've stated, if you see the person at a restaurant, grocery store, whatever, your friends, that relationship stays on. The work is different. The way you seem to operate, the way you do operate is that the relationship is more senior to just go get some work done and I'll pay you for it. Very much so. And that's really where the back half of my book talks about every, if anyone, any company, if you haven't done this yet, which most people haven't, so you have six more months of this year to create one. Here's what everyone needs to do. No matter how big a company, company of one, company of 10,000, company of 100,000, is create an alumni program. Create a program, a communication program that keeps your former employees in relationship with you. You can do this on a private network. You can do this on a private Facebook group. You could Don't do it on LinkedIn. It's not very useful on LinkedIn. But you can do this with an email campaign. But go find, if you don't know where they are, go find the top 20% of people who have ever been at your company and get them back in relationship with you. Go to dinner with them, create, uh, maybe have a party, have a dinner party, whatever, and find out where people are, right? Because I can tell you, when you keep people in relationship with you, one, they get to be in relationship with everybody else, right? So Double Forte is a small company. We use Facebook, private Facebook group for this. But there's so much work and community going on in our private Facebook group of alumni. When we have a new job offering, we put it in there first. And, you know, five times out of ten, somebody in there finds us our new person, not a recruiter, saving money. It's awesome because those people know what we're looking for, the kind of person we're looking for, the kind of the kind of grit we're looking for, the kind of sense of humor is going to do well here. And that's also where we find if people want to come back or not. You know, so if we if every company could have an alumni program, they would just be better off for the long term. That is a brilliant piece of suggestion there. That is brilliant information. I love it. I love it. And you can do it for no matter, even if you're a company of one with people yeah. that you service. I just absolutely love it. The Facebook group. What a great idea. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's a very good one. I really like that. I see immediate utility with it. Lee, I have a, a, an interesting question because it's seemingly your company does two different, has two different categories, national public relations and digital media, which are yeah. separate. How do you bring them together? And can you tell us a little bit more about your company? Sure. So Double Forte, um, like I said, we're 16, almost 16 years old. We started off as a sort of full service communication company, sort of mimicking what a vice president of communication or director of PR would would uh, have. And we only hired people who were had inside experience. So I just think you do better when you've been served and you understand that role. Over time, our business, nothing has changed more in the last 10 years than how people communicate in this country and how people find out information. And just think about the, what's gone on with media and social media. And so I started my company before Twitter, before LinkedIn, before Facebook, before any of those things. Um, and now today, about 50 to 60% of our work is in social media, some sort of social media platform, because that is how people find information um, and that's how people communicate and companies can communicate with lots of different people so the how and how people communicate and companies communicate with their constituents has absolutely altered and how people communicate among themselves and between themselves is absolutely altered as well so in that evolution of my industry in terms of the mechanics of how do you get a message to people the function is still the same our job is to help companies identify and engage with the people who matter to them for their business. That could be a consumer, that could be a business, that could be an influencer, it could be anybody, right, who's going to help their business move forward. But the how has absolutely been upended. So in today's communication world, if you're going to serve, if you're going to serve the client for that function, you need to offer a very wider, much wider range of services in terms of platforms there traditional media relations traditional analyst relations influencer marketing uh social media amplification and broadcasting and a lot of experiential experience is really really important so those those memorable moments that people have uh that then can get amplified in the social media so while the services have changed the function has not over the you know the the life of the company i see exactly how that's transformed the internet constantly changes and you've you've set it up very nicely in 
going for the social media. It's very smart. That's where you can really hit people very and address people and engage with people and interact with people more and more today is in the social media world and environment. Very smart on that. I see how that all works together right now. Lee, one last question. I love talking about purpose and I'd Mm -hmm. like to know what's your personal drive and motivation behind you doing what you do? You know, I think um, I am here to help great people do good things. And I'm a great amplifier and exponentializer of great ideas. Um, and I don't think incrementally. So my, my purpose in life is to find those people who are going to make a great positive difference in the world and help them make an even bigger impact. I like that. I'm totally with that. Great purpose, great drive. Once again, Lee Carraher, the boomerang principal, and her website is Lee, that's L-E-E, Carraher. I'm going to spell it C-A-R-A-H-E-R, LeeCarraher.com. All right. Well, thank you very much, Lee. I loved it. A lot of takeaways, a lot of insights, opened up our eyes to really how to deal better with people in today's changing world. Very good. Very astute. Very appreciated. Thank you so much, Tony. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. And for my amazing audience, thanks so much for listening. Remember, success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Be righteous. Join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, enjoy the weekend.